Good morning, Great Oaks. It is uh, it's an honor to be with you guys this morning. And as Pastor Nate said, my name is John. I'm from the uh, uh, Northwoods Community Church, our Peoria campus over there. And uh, as another church that's a part of the FEC, uh, when Ch- Pastor Chase reached out to see if we could come over and help fill a weekend uh, Sunday, I was super excited to be able to come over and do that here at Great Oaks. I've known some of the staff members here over the years, but I've never been able to be here on a Sunday because of always having to be at Northwood. So uh, I was excited and I am honored this morning to be here with you guys. And, uh, you know, I just thought before I start, it would, uh, I would like to honor a couple of your pastors, you know, because as someone who is currently stepping into a senior leader role at Northwoods, I know the amount of weight that a senior leader carries. And so I just want to honor uh, Pastor Chase, Pastor Nate, and Pastor Dan, because they have been, for the last nine months, been carrying the weight of this church as the leaders. And so can we just honor them and thank them for the job they've been doing? So thankful for them. Glad I've got to spend a little bit of time with them and meet them this week. So I am excited as we continue on in the Ephesians series I've been listening in the last couple weeks, and I'm excited to be a part of it. You know, Matt Emmons was one trigger pull away from winning his second gold medal in the 2004 uh, Athens Olympics. And sitting in the lead position of the 50-meter three-position rifle competition, Emmons was so far ahead that his last bullet need only to hit the target anywhere. And with unwavering calm and impeccable precision, he pulled the trigger and watched as his bullet pierced yet another bullseye. But as a few moments passed, for some odd reason, no score lights appeared on the scoreboard. As the officials approached Emmons, Matt was sure that the scoreboard was broken. But it wasn't. The officials informed Emmons that he had cross-fired a.k.a. Emmons had fired at the wrong target. Emmons, while standing in lane two, had confused his target and fired at the target in lane three. And for that shot, Emmons was awarded a score of zero and dropped all the way from first place to eighth place. Incredibly heartbreaking. And I share that story of Matt Emmons this morning because for those of us who call ourselves Christians, if we're not careful... In a similar manner, we also can easily confuse the target of spiritual success. I know this because not only can this happen, does this happen all the time with many well-meaning Christians, but because it happened in Jesus' day. In Jesus' time, if you were trying to determine who was hitting the target of spiritual success, by all outside appearances, you would have said, well, that, that was the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees were masters of Scripture. They were theological giants. They would have received extremely high scores for keeping all the rules. And you would think that Jesus would have nothing but high praise for them. But you've read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know that the opposite is true and that Jesus reserved some of his harshest words for the Pharisees. Why? Because they had defined hitting the target of spiritual success as outward appearance instead of inward transformation. Inward transformation. And just so there's no confusion, Jesus is much more concerned about 
whether we're allowing the Spirit of God to transform us from the inside out. And see, I believe if the top religious leaders of Jesus' day could confuse the target of spiritual success, then I would guess none of us listening today are immune. So as followers of Christ, it becomes of incredible importance that each of us stop and take time to figure out what is it that God expects of his children? What is it that that God expects of those of us who claim to follow him? what the target of spiritual success looks like. Because if we don't, I believe we can confuse the target and subsequently end up settling for something much less than the abundant life that Jesus said he came to offer. So question, what does the target of spiritual success look like? And to answer that, we're going to pick up near to where Pastor Chase ended in the book of Ephesians last week. Now, just a refresher, first couple of weeks, Pastor Dan and Pastor Nate, they walked through the first couple chapters of Ephesians, and with those really, those chapters really define who we are in Christ. They're all about our identity in Christ. And, but then last week, Pastor Chase talked about how Ephesians hinges and moves from identity to practice. In other words, what does it look like to walk out the Christian life? And so if you have your Bible with you today, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, or if you have the YouVersion app, you can swipe or tap your way there. And I I always like to say, while you're turning there, for those of you who like to use a digital version uh, of the Bible, I just want to give you a quick word of encouragement, because sometimes I feel like people look down on people who use a digital version of the Bible because it's not the real thing. But if anyone ever does that to you, just let them know that the very first recorded, written, recorded words of God were recorded on a tablet. All right, let them know that. (laughs) All right, Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul starts by saying, follow God's example. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, you can put that up on the screen. Follow God's example. Now, we're going to continue on in just a moment, but I want to stop right there just with follow God's example. Paul says, follow God's example. And so it's almost as if he holds up God's example and says, this is the target of spiritual success. Following his example is the target that we are to be aiming at. So what is the target of spiritual success? It's following God's example. And we will not miss the target if we're following his example. But then Paul continues on and in essence says, the example is the target and here's how you hit it. And step one is this. It is to walk in love. You want to hit the target. Step one is to walk in love. So look back at Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 2. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul says, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, which means following God's example means that we are those who walk in love. We're those who walk in love. Now, I think when we talk about love, it can be easy to become confused because there is a difference in between cultural love and biblical love. There's a difference. Have you noticed this? The culture says that if you're going to love someone, 
you not only love who they are, but you have to love what they do because who I am is also tied to what I do, right? So if you don't approve of my actions, my behaviors, and the culture says, well, then you don't love me. But the Bible says, Jesus says, no, 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 listen, I accept everybody because of their inherent value as being image bearers of God. But look what he does with our sin. Jesus didn't just say, oh, it's all good. Jesus died for our sin, right? Because God is a holy God and cannot accept our sin. And so he sent Jesus to die. Biblical love is different than cultural love. Cultural love is just like anything goes and I'll love it all. Jesus says, no, I love you. But listen, I came to die for your sin, right? I can, I can accept you. I accept you in God, but I can't approve of the sin. So we're also called to be those as Christians who loving others sometimes means speaking the hard truth in love, right? We speak the truth in love. We don't water down the truth. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about how love rejoices with the truth. Now, have you ever stopped to ask the question, why does God call us to love others? Now, I know it's because he ultimately first loved us, but what is it that happens when we walk in biblical love towards others? I recently came across a story that illustrates this so well. It's the story of a man named Dave Reaver. And back in the 1960s, when Dave was much younger, he joined the Navy as a riverboat gunner. And like so many other during this time frame, he was eventually drafted to serve in the Vietnam War. And immediately after being drafted, he began his training to begin preparing. And at the end of his training, and right before leaving for Vietnam, Dave was given a 10-day leave to go home and see his wife. And he used those 10 days to spend time with his wife, Brenda. And on his last day with her, he kissed her and said goodbye and said, baby, I will be back without a scar. So he heads over to Vietnam. And one day while in Vietnam, Dave's group was engaged in a firefight with the enemy. And in the midst of this fight, Dave picked up a white phosphorus hand grenade. Now, the thing about white phosphorus is that it burns at extremely high temperatures. So Dave grabbed this grenade, pulled the pin, and drew it back to throw it, and had this grenade sitting about six inches from his right ear. And as he was getting ready to throw this thing, there was a sniper who was aiming for Dave's head, shot and missed his head, but hit the grenade in his hand causing it to explode in his hand. And in Dave's own words, in one second, half my skin was blown off and burned off my body. In some places, all the way to the bone. It blew my hair off, blew my ear off, and blew my face off. And as you can imagine, Dave was horribly disfigured, but somehow was evacuated and eventually taken to a burn unit many soldiers had named Death Row, because if you ended up there, you were not expected to live very long. And as Dave tells the story, one day while lying in the burn unit, the burn victim in the bed next to Dave was told that his wife would be coming to see him. So the next day, Dave heard footsteps coming down the hall and remembers hearing the soldier's wife walk in and gasp in horror when she saw what was left of her husband. And Dave remembers looking over and watching this wife take off her wedding ring and place it on the soldier's chest and then turn and leave. And within a few weeks, Dave's roommate was dead. But then came the inevitable day when the doctors told Dave that his wife 
would be coming to see him. Brenda. And this would be the first time she'd seen him since he had been burned. So Dave began to mentally prepare for his wife's arrival and his, her, his, what she thought would be his, her reaction and what it might mean for him. So again, the day came, lying in bed, he hears footstop, footsteps coming down the hall. And as Brenda entered the room, she was unable to recognize uh, Dave. And she actually had to go up and read the chart on his bed to confirm it was him. And Dave watched as the eyes of his wife scanned him from head to toe. And then without a word, she bent over, kissed his face where his lips should have been. And she said, Dave, I love you. And I have always loved you and will always love you. Welcome home. And shocked and relieved and straining to speak, Dave choked out, Brenda, I'm so sorry that I won't be good looking anymore. And Brenda bent down and whispered, that's okay. You weren't that good looking to begin with. <laughs> you know, Dave was hospitalized for a year and two months, but incredibly survived and eventually was released from the burn unit they call death row. And it's an incredible story about the power of love. You see, that day in the burn unit, Dave's wife acted in incredible love towards him and Dave's whole outlook on life change. In fact, her love was the difference between him giving up and dying and pressing on and surviving. And ultimately, her love for him made God more visible to Dave. Dave saw how God loved him in a whole new light. And today, Dave travels all over the world, speaking about the power of the unconditional love of God. Why does God call us to walk in love? Because not only did he first love us, but because when love is shown, God is seen and people are changed. When love is shown, God is seen and people are changed. And church, this world needs to see Christians who will follow God's example of love, not the example of, of you know, cultural love, but the example of biblical love, right? Those are two different things. But follow God's example of love and walk in it. So if we're going to follow God and hit the target of spiritual success, the first step, Paul says, is we have to walk in love. But then the next step is this. And step number two is to live as light. So we're called to walk in love, but then we're called to live as light. Look back at what Paul said as we move forward a few verses in Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 9, he said, For you were once darkness, but now... You are light in the Lord as children of the light. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Other places in God's word, we know that it tells us that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness. So we know that God is light. But now Paul says that we also are light. And therefore, if we're going to follow God's example, the next step we take is to live as the light. And I want you to notice what he says. He says, the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. I want you to focus in on that word truth for a moment. The fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Because church, I believe that this is the time more than ever. Man, do we need some people who are submitted to the truth of the word of God. 
You know, there are many of us who are looking forward to all of, not many of us, all of us, who are looking forward to getting past COVID. All right, we're ready to be, we're ready to be past this thing. And I know for many of us that come to church, we're looking forward to many people coming back to church after COVID. And that's not a knock on people who watch online. Listen, I'm a, I'm a firm proponent that every family needs to make what they believe is the best choice for their health and their family. But it's just to say that I believe there's something that happens when God's people gather that cannot be replicated online. And so I'm looking forward to the day when more and more people come back to the church. But you want to know what I want to see even more than that? I want to see an awakening of Christians and churches who have been going through the motions long before COVID hit come back to Jesus and the truth of his word. So many today want to mix the ways of Jesus with the ways of the world. Newsflash, they don't mix. They are opposed. And what I want us to understand is if we disconnect from the truth of God's word, not only will we cease to be light, but we will find ourselves powerless to push back the darkness and put Satan and his minions on the run. So I want you to think about it like this. I brought this this light with me today, and I'm going to plug this in here, and they're going to turn the lights down. So I want you to think about it like this. When we talk about living as the light, so there you go, you can turn the lights down. Right? When we are plugged in to the truth of God's word, right? He's the source of all light. So when we're plugged into him, we also are the light, and we become an extension of his power, and we become carriers of the light wherever we go. We are light wherever we go. But here's what I want you to understand. When churches and Christians start saying, well, you know, if we are going to, um, we, we need to adopt a more mature view of the Bible, right? We, can't, we cannot keep hanging on to a book that was written 2,000 years old. We need to adopt a more progressive view of Christianity. It's just a human book, the Bible, right? It's not authoritative, right? Let's, let's, let's move past this. And, uh, you know, let's start saying, you know, uh, there's, there's more than one way to heaven, which empties the power of the cross, will erase hell, the holiness of God. What I want you to understand, when we start moving beyond the truth of Scripture and start saying we need a more mature view of it, what happens is we have unplugged from the source. And here's what I want you to understand. Not only do we cease to be light, but we end up just blending in with the darkness, you just blend in. And how crazy is it that today there are many who are saying, hey, if you want to reach more people for Jesus, if you want to see more people come to Jesus, we got to get away from a book that's 2,000 years old. You know, we have to start being more relevant and be more with the times. But listen, how will you, if you unplug from God's word, how will you reach more people for Jesus? How can people find Jesus if they can't see the light? That's crazy. Church, we have to stay plugged in to the truth of God's word, and we have to be the light. So that's, that's there you go. You can go ahead and put the lights on for me, guys. Um, we got to stay plugged in, right? This is us. I'm going to live as the light, and I'm going to stay plugged in to the source because I want to be someone who brings the light wherever I go. That's us. We're called to live as light, and let's not be those who blend in with the darkness, right? So I want us to understand, right, that when we are plugged in, it's like we are living as the light. 
But listen, if we unplug, not only will the light cease to shine, but we'll also lose the power to push back the darkness. Reminds me of some of the sons of the Jewish priests in Acts who were not submitted to Jesus, but went around trying to exercise his power to drive out evil spirits. Look at this passage in Acts. It says, they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And seven sons of Siva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? Who are you? You ain't submitted to Jesus. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Listen, when you aren't plugged in to the source, the truth, you are no longer living as light and thus lack the power to push back the darkness. And church, we must choose to live as light and stay plugged in to the truth of God's word. Stay plugged into the truth. You know, I believe we could all spend to stand, stand to spend some time today in the Lord's presence, maybe sometime this week, and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there's any place in our life where we have tried to water down or reject his truth and then repent if we have. We must stay plugged in to the truth of God's word. So if we're going to follow God's example, we walk in love, we live as light, but then Paul continues to give us another step. And in essence says, step three is this, operate in wisdom. Walk in love, live as light, and then operate in wisdom. Look at verse 15 in Ephesians he goes on to say, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I says, not just know, you can understand what the Lord's will is. You know, my father-in-law once told me a story of a wealthy businessman who short of a life-saving sur surgery, was on the brink of death. So this man went to see a doctor, and the doctor told him, I have some bad news, and I have some good news. The bad news is, is that your brain is so beyond repair that if we do nothing, you will die in the next couple weeks. But the good news is that we could perform a, a brain transplant, and you could live. And so the wealthy businessman replied, well, you know, I, I guess I really have no choice, right? I'm going to have to go with the brain transplant route, so let's do it. So the doctor said, all right, we have three brains available that you can choose from. And each brain carries with it a differing cost. So the first brain that we have belonged to a college professor. That'll cost you $10,000. So the wealthy businessman said, wow, okay, a college professor brain. Man, that'd probably make me even a better thinker analyzer and for $10,000 that's well within my means that sounds great but let me hear about this second brain that you have so the doctor says okay well the second brain we have belonged to a rocket scientist and it will cost you $100,000 for that brain the wealthy businessman said wow okay so you got a college professor and a rocket scientist the brain of a rocket scientist man if I had that guy's brain my IQ would probably go through the roof I'd be incredibly smart and again, 100000 that's not really anything to me. But let me hear about this third brain that you have. 
And the doctor said, okay, well, the third brain that we have uh, actually belonged to a Chicago Bears football player. And that brain will cost you a million dollars. And the wealthy businessman kind of shocked and taken back goes, whoa, a million dollars? Hang on. So you have a college professor, his brain costs 10000 a rocket scientist for 100000 and you have a Chicago Bears football player, and his brain costs a million dollars? I'm kind of shocked at why that brain is so expensive. And the doctor said, well, that brain is so expensive because it's never been used before. <laughs> now, I love that joke uh, because I'm a diehard Packers fan. Uh, <laughs> but you can switch out there and make it about whoever you want. But here's what I want you to get. The Apostle Paul said elsewhere that you and I have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, which means we have access to wisdom from above. But like that Chicago Bears football player brain in that joke, right? I found that many Christians, although we have access to the mind of Christ and wisdom from above, never use it or even tap into it. We never tap into the mind of Christ and the wisdom that he offers. But Paul calls us to operate in wisdom. And understand, he's not talking about the wisdom of this world. He's not talking about the wisdom of this world. He's referring to the wisdom that comes from God. See, that wisdom causes us to not only make the most of every, every opportunity to bring light to darkness, but also understand, not just know, but understand and discern God's will. But how often are we guilty of going through our everyday, uh, just our day-to-day, and operating in our own wisdom, doing our own thing? We only inquire of God as the last-ditch effort. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty guilty of that a lot. But God calls us to operate, not just in our own wisdom, but in his wisdom. So you might say, yeah, I agree, but how do I tap into the wisdom from above and thus operate in it? That's a good question. And it helps me to think about a radio. I want you to think about a radio because there is always activity over the airwaves. Even though we can't hear it right now, there is activity, you and I both know this, going on over the airwaves, but we don't hear them because we're not tuned into them. And it's the same when it comes to wisdom from above. There's always activity over the airwaves. God is always speaking, but we won't perceive his voice unless we are tuned in to the spirit of God. The Bible said in James, if anyone needs wisdom, ask and it will be given to you. God isn't short on wisdom. He wants us to operate in wisdom, but we have to tune in. I can't expect to operate in the wisdom from above if I'm not tuned into the Spirit of God. And that means taking time out of our day to quiet the distractions around us, open His Word, and ask Him to speak to us. And many times what I like to do when I do my daily Bible reading is just say, Lord, is there a word you want to quicken to my heart today? And you'd be amazed at how many times 
just in the time I'm reading my Bible, many of you know this, the Lord will bring a passage of Scripture that just jumps off the page that day, brings encouragement, and it brings divine direction for something you are facing. I can't tell you how many times this has happened even for me over the last year as we've been going through COVID. There's so many times where I'm like, what are we going to do? This is crazy. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm like thinking of ideas in my mind, but then I'll go sit down and say, Lord, is there a word you want to quicken from your word today? Because we need your wisdom, not just what, what we're thinking. We need to know what you're thinking because this is your church. And how many times the Lord just drops a verse, a passage of scripture for that day that just brings exactly what's needed and gives the guidance we need. I've also found that other times that fasting is a great way, even if just for a couple days, even a meal, that will attune your spirit to God's voice like nothing else. So if you're facing a decision today and you're saying, man, I don't even know where to go with this, I'm stuck, I'd encourage you to ask the Lord for his wisdom. He's commanded us to operate in his wisdom. And God never commands us to do something that we're not empowered to do. That'd be impossible. So ask the Lord, I need your wisdom for this. Tune in to him. And maybe even give up a meal this week to spend time praying and feasting on the word of God, asking him to give you direction. So if we are going to follow God's example, that means to walk in love, to live as light, operate in wisdom. And then the last step is this, surrender to the Spirit. Surrender to the Spirit. Paul went on to say in Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, he said, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music. From your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to draw your attention to that phrase, be filled with the Spirit. You see, when we translate Paul's original words into English, there's a little bit that gets lost in translation. The literal translation actually reads, go on being filled with the Spirit, meaning it's continual. Now, in reading that, it might lead you to believe that we need to somehow get more of the Holy Spirit. Like, this, there's this a part of the Holy Spirit I don't have. But I think the Bible shows us that when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, and there's not some part of him out there that you're missing. Right? So what I think Paul is really saying is it's not about how much you have of the Holy Spirit. It's about how much of you he has. Do you hear me? It's not about how much of the Holy Spirit you got. It's about how much of you he has. In other words, have I surrendered, have we surrendered every part of our life to the Holy Spirit so that he can completely fill us? My old 1995 Honda Accord, rest in peace, that thing died a few years back. But it had two keys that came with it. It had the master key and the valet key. The master key obviously could unlock all the doors. It could unlock the trunk. You could actually lock the glove box with it if you wanted to. Um, you know, it, it could, the master key could do everything, start the car. But then the valet key could only unlock the car, unlock the front door and start the car. 
could not open the trunk, and it could not open the glove box if it was locked. So, for example, if you go to take your car in to get an oil change or whatever, or, or your valet park or whatever you want to do, you give the valet key to someone you don't know. Because then you can put valuables, you can keep things away from them in the trunk, the glove box that they don't have access to. And I think sometimes, in the, in the same way, many of us give the Holy Spirit the valet key to our life. We haven't given the master key, we give him the valet key and say, hey, yeah, yeah, Holy Spirit, fill me. But listen, these areas, don't have, you don't have access to those areas. You know, we talk about money, Holy Spirit, no, 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 don't, don't, be, talking about, don't, don't be talking to me about my money. Don't be talking to me about, you know, sexuality, those things. You know, just, you, you know, you're in my life, but these places, you got the valet key. They're off limits to you. But if we're going to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, he's going to have more of us. That means that we say, no, I'm not giving you the valet key. I'm giving you the master key to my life. And you speak to every area of my life. I'm completely surrendered to you and I belong to you. If we're going to go on being filled, that's what it means. That's what it entails. Being filled is a continual process of moment by moment, day by day, coming before him and asking him to remove from our life anything that is not of him. I want you to think about a glove. It's another example, right? If you take a glove and you're just to fill it up with dirt, do you think you can get your hand all the way in that glove? You can't. But if you want to get your hand all the way in that glove, you've got to take that glove and dump out all the dirt. That's the same way with us, right? Sometimes we're so full of things that, uh, you know, of, th- of acting in ways that hanging on to certain sins that the Holy Spirit, he can't fill our entire life. So it not only means giving him access and surrendering our entire life to him, but it also says, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to search my heart, know me. Is there anything, any sin in my life that is keeping you from completely filling me? Being filled, continual process, moment by moment, day by day, coming before him, asking him to remove from our life anything that is not of him. Then surrendering to him and giving him permission, permission to fill and transform every part of us. Fill me with what the Bible says is evidence of you. I always like to pray, Holy Spirit, fill me with fresh fruit today, the fruit of your spirit. Goodness, love, patience, kindness, peace. I need fresh fruit today because I fall short in a lot of those areas. I find I I learn this with my kids all the time. Holy cow, I fall short in those areas a lot, especially when it comes to patience. (laughs) Holy Spirit, I need you to make up the difference for me today. So if we're going to follow God's example, give control to the Holy Spirit. So Paul says in closing, You want to hit the target of spiritual success and follow God's example. It means that we walk in love. It means that we live as light. I'm not going to unplug from the source. I'm going to be plugged into the truth of God's word. I'm going to operate in wisdom, not in my own wisdom. I'm going to ask the Lord from the wisdom, for the wisdom that comes from above, and I'm going to surrender to the Spirit daily and allow him to fill me. Let's pray as we close. And then the Band will come out and lead us in one last song. So Lord, again, we thank you for the truth of your word, that your word is true. 
And Holy Spirit, we just right now, again, we surrender to you and ask you to fill us. Lord, we know that following your example is we can't do it apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we surrender to you this morning. We ask you to completely fill us. If there's any place in our life that has been off limits to you, I pray you'd speak to us about that. If there's any sin in our life that is keeping you from completely filling us, Lord, I pray you would search our heart and reveal that to us. And if there is, I pray we would be those who repent so that we can be completely filled. We thank you, Lord, and we thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray your blessing over this church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.